You are listening to 99.1 FM, Portland Radio Project. I am Veronica Bezesti, host of Subculture, Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and I am beyond thrilled to be speaking with punk hero and Grammy award-winning author John Doe. Welcome to the PRP Airwaves, John. Thanks, PRP. <laughs> Thanks, Veronica. Yeah. Although I, I'm not Grammy award-winning, just Grammy award-nominated. Okay, well... That's a win to me. I know. I, I want to thank my grandmother, and, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank all the immigrants that came to America to make this such a great country. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad you had an opportunity to give the speech you didn't have. <laughs> no. Uh, Carol Burnett. She's a tough one, you know. I mean, she's uh, she's the one who won Yeah. Uh, a couple of three years ago that's okay god bless her well she's an i she's an icon she is an icon you you are absolutely right well grammy award nominated author john doe um you will be in portland on tuesday the 11th at music millennium which is one of my favorite independent record stores to celebrate the release of more fun in the new world Mm -hmm. that is true congratulations on the new book it is amazing as was the first one under the big black sun well, thanks. I mean, we're we're just trying to uh, to give a, a clear picture of what happened and who was there before too much uh, uh, rewriting of history happens. Sure. You know, the, the the revisionist history is is rampant, and and um, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Well, I have to uh, fangirl out for just a moment, John, and tell you that I've been an X-Fan for more years than I would like to admit, even on the radio. Uh, I have seen X-Live 20-plus times, including a couple Knitters shows, and I continue to be amazed and quite frankly honored each time you, Xene, DJ, and Billy prove to me the commitment that you have to the punk genre. I stand in those I stand in those crowds, John, amongst many people my own age, but there is a growing younger audience which gives me a lot of hope for that generation. (laughs) They are smart enough and savvy enough to, you know, value true punk pioneers such as yourself. So from all the fans, young and old, thank you for the music. Thank you. Um, you are totally welcome, and that's part of the deal, uh, yeah. or, or what we hope, is that uh, you know people are inspired, and um, and that's kind of what the, the book is uh, touches on, is that it's uh, it's not just what happened, but it's the seeds that you plant, and who picks them up, and in what kind of um, what kind of uh, discipline of the arts. Um, you could apply it to because the, the punk rock ethos is, is more than just, um, you know, playing loud, fast music. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's about making up your own mind, what you want to do, not being a, you know, a sheep and, and not buying into all the corporate BS that, that, uh, <laughs> we're, we're bombarded with all the time. So, uh, I thought that's what I thought was so great about the difference between Under the Big Black Sun and, and the new book, More Fun in the New World, that you explored how the scene 
morphed itself into an actual subculture, musical subculture, how geography and cultural influences played a big role in the music and, and all of right. that. And what's amazing is, you know, I, I think when you reflect upon punk as a genre, there are obvious geographic epicenters. You know, you've got London, you've got New York, and then there's Los Angeles, which is a little geographically challenged because it's just ginormous. How did yeah. everybody stay so connected? Well, in the beginning, it was only, you know, a couple hundred people, and everybody lived in Hollywood. And then as it progressed, you know, uh, Keith Morris and Greg Ginn were doing Black Flag, and that came from from the beach areas, you know, South Beach and, and um, south of L.A. And But that was in maybe 79, uh, so it was early on. Yeah. This, this book, the first book was, 77 to 82 this is 82 to 87 and by the time we're starting this book or you know by the time 82 comes around hardcore had really um kind of taken over and the original punk rock um <clears throat> community had started dissipating um the way we stayed connected is is that we were all pretty local yeah you know at, at the beginning and even when Bands like TSOL and, and uh, Social Distortion, all the SST bands, Minutemen and stuff, they were coming up to our neck of the woods, and then they started developing their own scene down at, down at the beach. So it's still within a 50-mile radius. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, that, uh, that we had to progress. I mean, at the... At the time when the hardcore was really taking over, we were, I think we were just mourning the loss of our tight-knit, eclectic, uh, open-minded community because the audience just got bigger. And when bands were playing harder and faster and, and they were a little more testosterone-driven, we were just saying, oh, you came in and you screwed up our scene. Well, it was evolution. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's what's great about Jack Grisham from TSOL. He has a chapter in this new book mm -hmm. and in the old book. And his first chapter was more like, you started it. Yeah, it's we your fault. It. <laughs> yeah, you started it. We finished it. What's your problem? You know, right. don't, don't be mad at us. You know, like you gave us a roadmap and we just ramped it up another, you know, 10 degrees. So don't be mad at us, which in hindsight is totally legitimate. Yeah. How did the establishment really coming in, you know, punk underground morphs into yeah. the mainstream? How did the establishment, how did music videos, what did all of that, that interference do to what punk meant to each of you? Uh, it was the beginning of the end of regionalism. Okay. And, and that's something that my co-author, Tom DeSavia, talked about, is both of these books are a love letter to regionalism mm -hmm. because, like you said, you know, New York has its um, vibe, London has its characteristics, and L.A. has theirs. So um, it also sent people out on tour for months at a time. I mean, even bands like Circle Jerks and, and uh, all the SST bands, that's something that we go into. Uh, Henry and I have a conversation mm -hmm. that, that I... Uh, put in the book and it's and we, we were all gone so how could
can you maintain a community when you're on the road, um, yeah. whether it's with a major label or, or not? You know, one thing, unfortunately, for the Go-Go's, or uh, Double-Edged Sword, um, they kind of got written out of the punk rock history. Yeah. They were totally there, and such bad girls. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderfully. Bad girls. You know, I like, like it. <laughs> well, Charlotte, Charlotte uh, writes this a terrific chapter. It's incredibly vulnerable, so courageous about addiction and recovery. Yeah. And she talks about, about going to Rio de Janeiro, you know, in 83 or maybe 84, for this rock in Rio, it's 250,000 people, and they're all so high that, like, Ozzy Osbourne kicked them out of his dressing room, <laughs> you know, and, and Rod Stewart like, wouldn't talk to them. Wow. <laughs> and and he, was, he was, you know, Rod Stewart did an all-nighter with the Go-Go's, and he goes, how am I going to play? And it's like, you just do more, dummy. <laughs> Haven't, you're, you're the rock star here. We're just like, uh, you know. We're just the kids just from the valley, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're the kids from the valley. Just, just try to screw up stuff as best you can. That's great. Were um, there any stories that just blew your mind? You know, so what you and Tom did was essentially go through your your rolodex of of fellow punk artists and musicians and reached out to them, gave them some type of skeleton, if I'm understanding correctly, on what you kind of wanted them to broach on, their perspective and their view, right. uh, being a woman in the punk scene, etc. Were there any stories that just blew your mind that you were so shocked to hear, of, other than Rod Stewart and Ozzy Osbourne? Uh, well, it's, it's not shock, because you have an idea that this is, <clears throat> that this is the case. But um, when Shepard Ferry turned in his chapter it hit all the points that we were trying to make about uh, punk rock ethos, turning it into, and, and how it inspired him to become arguably the most uh, well-known artist today. You know, I mean, him and maybe Banksy, but how many people, you know, <clears throat> own a Banksy? Nobody, you know, and, and Shepard is, is really uh, egalitarian in that he sells his prints for, 60 bucks or something like that. Um, that was, and, you know, there, there are all kinds of things. You know, I have a conversation with Norwood and uh, Angelo from Fishbone, and I had no idea that Norwood and his brother Fish, the drummer, um, they got instruments when they were like six and four and started playing together. Wow. And then they were having rehearsals in their, in their mom's apartment, uh, kind of near south-central L.A., uh, more near the airport, they were having full rehearsals when they were teenagers in, in her apartment. And, the, <laughs> and they're just like amps, full drum kit, PA system, the whole nine yards, horns. And, I mean, you can imagine the volume of that in an apartment building. And, and, and they somehow, the neighbors put up with it. Um, and little, and did, really little did they know they had fishbone on their hands. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he, was, he mentions that one... One day, the apartment managers, you know, came up to him, kind of gruff, and said, "You know what? You guys had a pretty good groove going." And they just thought, "Yeah, yeah, we got it." You know, so rather than kicking them out and saying, "Stop that," you know, noise, he was saying, "Yeah, you guys did good today." Yeah. Uh, you know the 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 fact that people get turned on to to someone they may not know, like Top Jimmy, who was a blues singer here in L.A. and, and never really that much and 
he was one of those ones that kind of chose lifestyle over life. <laughs> and um, for people that don't know Jeffrey Lee Pierce or are not as familiar with Lone Justice and Maria McKee, um, you know, Maria's is, uh, is a, a really tough chapter to read sometimes because she was so young and so ill-equipped to, to deal with this massive attention so so early on you know jimmy iodine who's a you know veteran and kind of famous for uh you know controlling stuff and and uh and she's like 19 yeah and then here here's a tom petty song for you to do and here's a bob here's a song that bob dylan wrote for you and i was like ah you know unfortunately Mm -hmm. she didn't have someone to to help her understand it and Nobody had, you know, nobody gets a operator, you know, an owner's manual. Yeah. Like, how, how do you navigate this stuff? Yeah. So. Especially when it all kind of starts as a DIY scene. Nobody's writing down how to make it all happen. It, it just is yeah. organically happening as, yeah. as it explodes. Yeah, and, and even, you know, I, I wrote a chapter about uh, X and, and uh, moving away from uh, Ray Manzarek when we did our mm-hmm. fifth record. And uh, and we even started believing our own hype and thought, maybe we don't know what's good for us. Maybe we should use this other guy as a producer. And he really kind of messed it all up. He kind of that was just sucked a bunch of life out of what we normally do. And, <clears throat> you know, we even yeah. believed our own hype, which is crazy. You know, we were, we were veterans at that point. Yeah, you were the OGs. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's so seductive and, and it, it happens by these little increments and, and you just get sort of pulled off your center and, and suddenly you're doing something you thought you'd never do. Mm-hmm. It's very strange, you know, like I say, it's sneaky. Sneaky. Stuff. Sneaky. Well, it, it's amazing that you've been able to work with all of these contributors and document the the experiences and the the life-changing you know instances that happened to all of these different musicians whether it was on a stage or in their personal life it's fascinating to read um i i highly recommend everybody picking up their copy of more fun in the new world and you can certainly do that at music millennium on tuesday the 11th when john is there you're going to be being interviewed by uh willie whose last name is now escaping me, of course, but he Blount. is a local. Yes, 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 yes. How did yeah. you get hooked up with getting interviewed with him? Uh, well, I was a fan of, of Willie's band, uh, Richmond Fontaine. Yes. Uh, we played together, and I just was taken by the by this uh, high desert style that mm-hmm. they have. And um, and then as after we got to be friends, then he started it was right around the time he started writing novels. And as soon as I read his first novel, I was, um, I thought, well, this is like John Steinbeck and I can relate mm-hmm. to this. And his stories are, are dark and, and beautiful. And, um, sometimes you got to put the book down for a minute because you're all choked up. Um, so I asked him if he'd have a conversation with me and, and we'll be talking about the book and, and probably other, a bunch of other stuff, you know, just, life on the road and so forth but um he's just such a terrific novelist he has a new book out called um don't skip out on me and um it's just heartbreaking but it's 
it's so right. Yeah. You know? Wow. Well, we wish you and nothing. Thanks, and, and, and thanks for being such a pro to like slip in that plug about where we're going to be and when. Oh, well, I'm going to be there yeah. too. So I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to it. I, I, I think it's fantastic to be able to provide an audience with a different perspective. Seeing you on yeah. the stage is one thing, but getting an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper, it, it's a dream come true for any of us. You teased oh, a while cool. ago about some new X music. What's happening with that? Uh, well, we finally got it mixed. Uh, we, you know, we're touring all the time, so yes. it's, it's difficult to, to actually get in the room. <clears throat> uh, the the um, engineer and producer Rob Schnapp uh, is in L.A. And, and we've been on the road, and so he did a few mixes, and they were good, but they weren't, you know, great. And he's uh, finally Billy and Maxine went down to uh, to do some remixes, so that's done. And Fat Possum, our record company, says they're going to have a single out in I don't know a few months, and then Great. Um, Maxine and I, Maxine and I, have worked on a couple uh, other new songs. So we're going to start re- do some more recording. I don't know, maybe uh, this fall. So uh, yeah, bit by bit, we're um, we're getting closer, and maybe we'll put out an EP or something next year. Very um, cool. Do a couple of singles first, and very uh, very but, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so. Evidently, hell has frozen over. Well, here we and, go. Uh, and now there's uh, X music going to be coming out. That that's exciting news. I I'm sure that every X fan is is waiting yeah. waiting with bated breath. Yeah, I never thought it would happen. I, I would say it sort of facetiously. Of, oh, you never know. You know, something might happen. And I thought this is never going to happen. <laughs> but there you go. Well, you, you keep having a very vibrant tour. Your, your shows are fantastic. Caught you the last time you were here in Portland at Crystal Ballroom with Jane Whelan's band opened up for you guys. Yeah. Why not give give the people a little a little taste of some new stuff? Because, oh, as you know, families are complicated. Yes. And a band is like a family. <laughs> you know? I gotcha. Enough families said. Families are complicated. Mr. John Doe, it has been an absolute honor to speak with you. I wish you nothing but the best with more fun in the new world. It's a fantastic read. Again, John's going to be at Music Millennium on Tuesday the 11th. I hope that everybody has an opportunity to go there. And um, best of luck to you, sir. Well, thank you. And and just so people know, we're going to I'm going to do some reading. Willie and I will have a conversation. There'll be some Q and A. So if you have any questions, no matter how. personal oh it might be i'm willing to to give a shot and oh. if it's too personal then i say up oh, that's off the record okay nope, sorry well that's intriguing <laughs> the gauntlet's been thrown down now okay i'll there come prepared i'll be prepared okay. all right sure. thank you so much ha- right. safe travels all right thank you see you later okay and my thanks to john doe legendary bassist and vocalist from the band X and author of More Fun in the New World for speaking with us at Portland Radio Project about his book tour, Stop Here in Portland, and all things punk rock.